I ask you to take your Bibles in hand or your digital device, however you're doing that. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going. Mark chapter 10, and when you get there, you'll be in verse 46 is where we'll pick up in just a few minutes. If you're using that pew Bible there in front of you, you can turn to page 1,166, 1166 in the pew Bible there. I love watching track and field events. Now, I don't think they show near enough of the field events. I would love to see more of the discus and the javelin and the shot put and all of those things, but they show a lot of the running races. And, you know, I like watching. I, I went last night and watched um, online a repeat of the NCAA men's cross country championship. And then I watched the women's cross country championships. And one of the things that happened at the end of the, or at the beginning of the women's, is there was, they had to restart it because there was a, a, a false start. And you want everybody to start in the same place. Well, it made me remind some of track and field days, and you may have seen this as well, where they'll be in like the 100-meter dash, and they get lined up, or they'll be in the 440 dash, and it's going to be a quick race and things like that. And they'll get ready, and they'll say, runners, and then set, and you're waiting for the gun. And then somebody leaves early. I've watched this in the Olympics before, and the gun goes off, but they've seen a false start. They've got technology now that can tell you when somebody's left early. And then they have to stop the race and reline up everybody to start again. Except, in many cases, for the one who false started. And then you see them. You can already see the dejection on their face. It's not that they're mad that they false started. Is that that the official walks over to them. If you've seen this in the Olympics, it happened twice at the last Olympics. They walk over to someone, they stand in front of them, and they hold up a card. And that card is red, and that means they're disqualified. Over. One false start, out. And you have to recognize when this happens in the Olympics, that's four years or more of training, of effort of sacrifice, of diet, whatever it is to become the best at what they are to get to the Olympics. And in that moment, in that moment, that false start, everything comes crashing down. It's so disappointing. Can you imagine? Put yourself there if you can. A once-in-a-lifetime event occurring, something that you've waited your whole life to see, or to be a part of. And then you lose your chance because you simply make a mistake. You miss that opportunity. And that's a good mind frame for us to be in as we open up God's Word as we are in Mark chapter 10, picking up in verse 46. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to read Mark chapter 10, and we'll pick up in verse 46, and I'm going to read through verse 52. Mark 46... Mark 10, 46 to 52. And it says this, And now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
So Jesus, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. If you're a note taker, there's room for that on the uh, back of the call to action or whatever device you bring or the paper that you have. Or if you're in a real desperate spot, you can grab one of those pink envelopes. It'll take quite a bit if you just write really small. And if the Lord really speaks to you, get a second envelope. We can, we can put some more in there, okay? But let's talk about what God has for us. Jesus is nearing, at this point, Jesus is nearing the end of his earthly ministry. Jesus is steadfastly making his way to Jerusalem. Jesus knows that when he goes to Jerusalem for this trip, that he is going to be crucified. And Jesus keeps walking. Jesus keeps moving to complete the very reason he came. And Jesus will soon die on the cross for you and for me and for all who will believe. We talked about being thankful. That death and that life, that's all the hope we'll ever have. And praise the Lord, that's all the hope we'll ever need because of Jesus. So Jesus and his disciples and the crowd that is following him are passing through, Scripture tells us, Jericho. Now they are about 15 to 18 miles from Jerusalem. And the final miles to Jerusalem are all uphill. And it's not that they're harder because he's getting close to crucifixion. Literally, geographically, they're uphill. 15 to 18 miles passing by Jericho. Well, we know Jericho because Jesus has taught about Jericho in another parable, at least. And it says in verse 46, as they're making their way there, that there was a blind man by the road begging. Verse 46 tells us his name, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Now, it's an interesting thing when you look at naming in the Bible. The Bible does a really good job of helping us understand where people have come from and who they're related to and that connection. We see this. It's impressive to me that this in God's word, that this beggar, this blind man, he gets a name. You know, Jesus has healed lots of people. Jesus has touched lots of lives. But we're not always given the name of that person. But not only is Bartimaeus given, we're not given just Bartimaeus' name, we're given he's the son of. So we're given Bartimaeus' father's name. And I don't know that there's a lot spiritually there for us except to say that Bartimaeus may not have always been a beggar. Maybe he was somebody that somebody knew, that knew his dad, and that he was always known as Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And it's an interesting thing. Here's what I've done. And, you know, I've been gone. We, we flew out on the 15th, and then, yes, you know, today's the 26th. So that's 11 days. Well, I had this sermon done before I left which means it's been in the crock pot, and yeah, 11 days in the crock pot will almost burn something, right? 
But in order to keep it fresh alive, every day while I was gone, I read Mark chapter 10. Every day, from the beginning all the way through. And you know, here's what I'll challenge you with. If you will take a passage, call it this one, and you read it 11 days in a row, at least once, 11 days in a row, God will show you things in his word that you won't see the first time you read through something when you commit to doing that. So that's just a free opportunity, challenge, encouragement to you is slow down, read God's word, and pick it up because I've kept going, okay, not every beggar, not every lame person had a name in Scripture, but this guy does. Said that he was blind. And said that when he heard, it was Jesus. He was blind, and he heard it was Jesus. Now, Scripture's already told us that Jesus and his disciples and a great multitude that were with him, you know, Jesus went nowhere alone. And as I was reading this, one of these 11 days, I was reminded that everywhere I go, people are watching me. Everywhere you go, when you claim the name of Jesus, and then you walk, People are watching you. Church, we need to do a better job. Not that I know that we're openly failing in any way. I just know that I know I could walk more Christ-like every day. So Jesus and the disciples and this great multitude are coming by, and they pass this spot where Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, the blind man, is there. And Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, he hears that Jesus is there. You know, that means that when Jesus entered into town, it made a difference. Because he couldn't see what was going on. So when Jesus entered in, he makes a difference. And so I'm reading one of these 11 days, and I'm going... Does the fact that Jesus is walking in my life, does it make a difference to me? Does it change anything in me? Because these people around Jesus, Jesus was creating a bit of a disturbance wherever he went. And so blind Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus. We hear this in verse 47. Someone must have told him, he probably said, what's going on? I know this is not normal. What's going on? Because, you know, we read enough in Scripture that typically people who beg or have needs are infirm. They're in certain places. And so regularly, he's attuned to what's going on in that area. And he must have sensed that something was going on differently. And he says, hey, what's going on? Now, we're not told that. But we find out that he knows that it's Jesus. And likely, somebody told him that it was Jesus. And, and one of these 11 days I was reading this, I was challenged by God's Spirit as I read God's Word. Have I told anybody recently that Jesus was near? Church, have you told anybody that Jesus is near? Does it make enough difference in your life that a blind man could say, hey, what's going on? I sense something going on. And you go, yeah, let me tell you what's going on in my life. It's called Jesus. So he calls out. Look at verse 47. 
It says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, I mean, yeah, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, you know, that's not the way it happened. Let me read that to you again. Verse 47, he says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And again, I'll tell you, that's not the way it happened. Let me tell you what happened. He heard that it was Jesus. And he said, Jesus, Jesus, I'm over here. Jesus, pay attention to me. Jesus and his friends and those around him said, dude, shh, be quiet. You're making a scene. Do you know sometimes we're just afraid of making a scene? If Jesus has made a difference in your life, then the world should know it. And Bartimaeus, he'd heard it was Jesus, and he had probably heard about Jesus and what Jesus had done. And so, so many times, he said, Jesus, I'm over here. No. In mine, it's got an exclamation point right there, and that means raise your voice. Right? It's what it says right here. Jesus, son of David. And they warned him, verse 48, to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know why he raised his voice? Because he had heard about Jesus, and he understood that that's his hope right there. That's his hope. Now, I don't know about you, But when you get desperate enough, you'll cry out. And maybe our challenge is is we never get desperate enough for Jesus. And so we go, hey, Jesus, I'm over here. Listen, it's not that Jesus needs us to raise our voice. He's waiting on us to make it important enough to be known as someone who needs Jesus. He raised his voice, called him son of David. That is a prophetic title that is given in Scripture to the coming Messiah. He knew the Messiah came to judge and to save. This blind man was crying out for mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. This man understood enough to know he likely deserved punishment, judgment, and to be forsaken in life. Perhaps he believed this because of sin in his life, because of the sin in his other, in the people around him life, or maybe because people have just continued to dismiss him and dismiss him and dismiss him in this world. You know, and sometimes when we aren't loud, when we don't make a difference for Jesus, when we don't tell other people about Jesus, they grow further from him, part because we don't bring them closer and part because they start believing the lies of Satan in this world. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They told him to be quiet. And what they're saying is, listen, Jesus, he's not going to bother with you. Jesus doesn't need to help you. You need to be quiet. You're just a blind beggar man. Leave Jesus alone. You don't have any hope. Church, when we discourage people from seeking Jesus, We do them great harm. 
Verse 48, he cried out all the more. You know, desperate people do not allow people to keep them from Jesus. This man understood, this is my chance. And he says, I'm not false starting this thing. You know what happens if you stand up there and you're by the gate and there's a crowd coming by and a multitude with them and the disciples and Jesus and there goes your last hope and you just go, Jesus? No. He knew that this was his opportunity. In Mark chapter 5, we find a similar situation. She didn't raise her voice. She raised her hand. In Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 34, the woman with the issue of blood, she said, all I've got to do is touch the hem of his garment. She got bold. This man understood this was his chance. This man was bold, determined, desperate, tired of things being like they were. He likely had heard of what Jesus had done for others and what he had taught others. This man believed that Jesus could help him. This man was willing to do whatever it took to get the attention of Jesus. Church, are you willing to do whatever it takes to get Jesus to touch your life? And you're going, well, we're here. I'll still ask the question because being here doesn't answer that question. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to have Jesus touch your life? Are you desperate for Jesus? Verse 49, a miracle happens. Jesus stopped, we're told. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were here, a couple two weeks ago, and we talked about how Jesus saw Jesus came and Jesus helped. Remember with the disciples in the boat and Jesus came to them? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. No, Jesus was, when he stopped, he was heading to the cross, but he stopped. What love, what mercy, and what grace. And verse 49 says, not only did he stop, but he called for the man. And they told the blind man, hey, in verse 49, he said, hey, Jesus is calling you. Look at verse 49. So, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called and then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. Interesting thing, this is the same people who were going, Shh, be quiet. You don't have any hope. You're just a blind beggar. Be quiet. And now all of a sudden, because Jesus is paying attention, these people are going, Hey, you should be excited. Jesus is calling your name. Verse 50, we need to look at verse 50 for just a second. We're going to revisit verse 50 in a minute as well. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And you're going, Jeff, that's not a very important verse. Except it is. See, this garment, when you do a little research, this garment that he discarded was most likely called a hymation. H-I-M-A-T-I-O-N. Hymation. This was a thicker outer garment worn by Greeks in that day. It was a distinguishing garment. Remember I told you earlier, we know that his name is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. He might have actually been somebody. Well, this Hymation comes along and sort of validates that just a little bit and said, this is what he holds on to. He likely 
kept warm under it. He likely remembered who he was because of it. It distinguished him. It was not something every person had. Hymation. When a man would wear a hymation, he made sure to keep the edges from dragging on the ground. It was considered poor taste to let it touch the ground. The hymation was worn in a specific way so that people did not assume you were a barbarian, so it was important how you wore it. As I mentioned to you, it probably kept him warm, protected him from the dust and the storms, and not many beggars would have a hymation. And when Jesus called for him, verse 50 says this, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. He didn't want anything to get in the way of him getting to Jesus. You know, Scripture teaches that Jesus only asks us to leave one thing to follow him. And you're going, hold on, I thought Jesus asked us to leave many things. No, he only asks us to leave one thing in order to follow him. That thing is everything. And Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, when he threw aside that garment, was probably the only thing that he had in this world that connected him to who he was and connected him to taking care of himself on a daily basis. Verse 51, Jesus said to Bartimaeus when he got there to him, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And you're going, why would Jesus ask that? That's a silly question. You know, Scripture teaches that we always need to confess our need before Jesus comes into our life. And so he, again, affirms the gospel process by asking Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus wanted this man to admit his need. Verse 51, he calls him Rabbani. Jesus is only called this twice in Scripture, and the other is by Mary Magdalene after the resurrection. It's meant Lord or my master. Son of David was his messianic title. Rabbani was an expression of personal faith. And he says that I may receive my sight. He said, I want to see. Now, in Matthew's version of this exact same story, Matthew chapter 9, verse 28, Jesus asked the man in this moment, do you believe that I am able to do this? And the blind man replied, yes, Lord. Church, do you believe that Jesus is able to do this, that Jesus is able to give this blind man his sight? Do you believe that? Now, we would say yes, part because we've read the story, part because we have been raised up to believe that Jesus can do anything. But it's a far cry from believing that and getting to the point that Bartimaeus is at, where he's willing to confess it and leave behind everything. If Jesus is able to, if you believe that Jesus is able to give this man his sight, 
Perhaps Jesus is enough to help you with your need right now. Can he help you forgive that person that you have steered away from this Thanksgiving because you weren't going to deal with them any longer? Perhaps Jesus can heal your body. Perhaps Jesus can heal your marriage. Perhaps Jesus can provide that job, Eric, that you need. Perhaps Jesus can help you start giving and obeying obediently. Perhaps Jesus can heal your current challenge. And so for just a moment, I want us all to recognize that in one way, shape, or another, we're blind. We have a need that only Jesus can meet. And some of us, we've been blind for a long time. And we've gotten comfortable holding on to who we were, what we were, in our position. And we might believe that our turn has passed us by. When in reality, I'll tell you this, Jesus is coming. And He will hear your cry. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's not just the words that a blind man named Bartimaeus hollered out that day. That's the calling card of having Jesus call your name in return. Verse 52, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, it says, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight in a similar situation. They were made well. In the Greek, the word is sozo, S-O-Z-O. It means to be saved. Sozo, to restore, to make well, to preserve one who is in danger, to rescue. This blind man, because of Jesus, received his sight. After telling the man that his faith had made him well. Catch, catch this, church. Look at verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus said, You are no longer the blind man you can see. You're no longer the man shackled to your sin. You have been made well, redeemed, restored. You can get back to your life. You are free to do whatever you desire. You have no limitations physically. You have no limitations eternally. You are free to do whatever you desire. Sounds good, doesn't it? Look what it says. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, we could get into all kinds of conjecture, and I'm not much into that. I like to allow Scripture to tell me what the Lord wants. And he, but the reality is, is 
We're not, immediately to me means Jesus kept on going and this man kept on going with him. Do you know that this man could have done anything he wanted? Jesus has said, you do anything you want to do, go your way. Jesus didn't say, hey, you better follow me. Jesus said, you go your way. And this man said, you are my way. You know, one of the things that uh, I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving and I should be more thankful for it every single day, is that when Jesus redeemed me, he said, I am the way, your way. Right? Then what Jesus said? I am the way. And so this blind man who now sees, who's now been restored by Jesus, leaves it all behind. In my mind, I can't tell you that I can prove any of this, and I'm not even going to try, but in my mind, immediately means he left. And that hymation, that's somebody else's now. He said, my identity is not in what I wear, not in whether I see or not. My identity, my way is with Jesus. And Scripture says he followed Jesus on the road. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And I've shared with you that I think that most times we probably read that backwards. We follow Jesus, he'll give us what we want. No, Jesus says, you follow me, I'll tell you what you want. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. He met Jesus, got a brand new life, brand new purpose, brand new direction forever. Amen. Now, if you're with me in Mark chapter 10, I told you I had read Mark chapter 10 every day for 11 days. So I hope you're still with me there. I want you to turn back. Stay in Mark chapter 10, but let's go to verse 17 for just a second. Because, see, I believe keeping Scripture in context helps illuminate what the Lord wants us to take from something. And so it's important to know what's happened before this moment. So if you get to Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now, we are before blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, picking up at verse 17, says... Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And so Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, catch this church, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You notice Jesus challenged him, he said, You can go your way, or you can go my way. But you can't go both ways. 
And here we've seen that this man, when given the opportunity to follow Jesus, said, nope, holding on to my stuff. I'm holding on to what identifies me. I'm holding on to who identifies me. I'm holding on to my past. I'm holding on to my hymation. I'm holding on to whatever my issue is. I'm holding on to whatever my challenge is. Because you see, if, if blind Bartimaeus had not had faith, he'd still be blind Bartimaeus. It's only when we come to Jesus and choose his way does he touch our lives. So here's the big question for the day. I wonder what Jesus desires for you to cast aside right now. What are you holding on to that Jesus wants you to let go of so that you can have him? That's what Mark 10 is about, right? Rich man said, nope, no Jesus for me. I'll hold on to my stuff. Von Bartimaeus said, I'll take Jesus and all that comes with it. And you're going, well, the blind man had nothing to lose and the rich man had everything to lose. If that's the perspective that Satan put in your heart right in that moment, you've not read Scripture well. Because what I read is, without Jesus, you lose everything. And with Jesus, you gain everything. And so church, I'll ask the question again. What does Jesus want you to lay aside in order to follow him today? Hopefully you'll do as the blind man. You'll have a need. You'll cry out to God for mercy. You'll know that Jesus will hear your name and come to you. That you'll believe and receive him and then you will make him your way. Amen? Amen.